Hello and thank you for joining us on Sideline Story, your destination for sports news, analysis and discussions. I am your host, Brandon Yates, and with me, as always, I'm joined by Fuyu and Yang Guang has returned. We are so happy to have him back. And today we will be talking about Euro 2024 qualifiers. We've seen numerous teams across the European continent performing very well and doing their absolute best to qualify for the 2024 edition of the tournament, which will be taking place in Germany, of course, next year. So, Yang Guang, as I've already mentioned, we've seen, you know, countless teams trying to qualify for this tournament. And I think it actually has been expanded, if I'm not mistaken. I think it is possible for more teams participating in 2024, which Mm -hmm. I think is great for European football. Although I I guess it is tricky for um, some of the teams and players because they will have to play a lot more football. Um, But with that in mind, have there been any teams so far that have been the most impressive in the qualifiers for you? I must say um, England mm. has impressed me a lot so far in the qualifiers. Um, their depth is fantastic. And, as uh, it always has been, right? Yeah, and the whole <laughs> squad is very young. Uh, in yeah, the time, that's a good point, yeah. In the time when teams are allowed to have five substitutions, England can maximize its attacking power. Just to think, players like um, Saka, Grealish, Phil Foden on the bench, um, there are a lot of strategies um, Gareth Southgate can play. Uh, the two wins against Italy totally reflected this advantage. And to me, England seems to have no weaknesses on every position. Uh, there are a whole bunch of star names, but um, it's quite different from what was like 10 years ago mm. when England also accumulated stars on the pitch. England used to have Lampard, Gerrard, Beckham, Rooney together. Who, co- who collectively achieved nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looked awesome on paper, yeah. but um, the chemistry wasn't quite there. But I think Southgate has well put the stars together for this generation of the England squad. It's interesting, though, because I think when you talk about that generation of Skulls, Lampard, uh, you know, Gerrard, etc., in the ensuing years, a lot of those types of players have been asked about that period in England's history. Mm. And what has been said is that the Premier League back then... It, look, it is still competitive and the teams still compete with each other, but like the players that played for competing teams like Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, they really couldn't stand each other. They <laughs> so that that animosity from the club competition apparently also filtered into the national setup. So there was competitiveness for places, but then again, even the guys that had their positions in the team, they didn't really get along because they didn't really know each other because of how fierce the competition was in the Premier League. But now, even though the competition is still fierce, apparently there is less animosity between the players once the game ends you know they Mm. obviously give their all on the field but then once the game's over they you know they're happy to have a drink with each other or hang Mm. out with each other whereas apparently you know in the early 2000s or in that Gerard Lampard Skulls era that kind of thing wasn't happening so maybe that lack of animosity between the English players has benefited the national team now even though it seems like they've got less I mean, look, they've still got incredible quality and depth, but I still think it's not as good as it was um, back in the day for England. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I also see really good spirits and the unity inside mm. this England squad. And it's also a good move uh, for England um, that um, Harry Kane was sent to Bayern Munich. In a of course you'd say that. <laughs> 
the so, big Bayern fan. Yeah, so so the all the competitors from the Premier League won't f- face Harry Kane. Yeah. On the league level and uh, on the national team level, they are all friends. Mm. But it seems like they've learned their lesson as well because it has taken them so long because not just in previous Euros, but at previous World Cups, England have a lot of the times been the favourites because of that golden generation of talent. And for some reason, it's never quite worked for them. You know, it's either been a lack of togetherness in the squad or having, you know, sometimes a foreign coach that doesn't necessarily understand English culture or, you know, doesn't get along with the players like we saw with the likes of, I don't think Sven Goran Eriksson ever got along with the players. I don't think Fabio Capello ever got along with the players. Now it seems like that even though they've got a coach in Southgate who doesn't have the CV um, of the likes of Capello and Eriksson and previous managers that have managed England, but because he is, you know, through and through English, and has gone through the system in England and to, as a player and as a coach, maybe there's more of a togetherness amongst the players and between mm. the players and the coach, which I think is just as important as having supremely talented players. Yeah, exactly. And I think England's loss in the Euro 2020 final at Wembley has given them extra motivation yeah. for Euro 2024. Uh, they started to exerts strength very early on in the qualification already. It looks like everyone on the team has made the determination to prove they can pick up where they fell. Yeah, and there's so much competition for places because I think in that England squad, starting from the keeper, going all the way up front, I would say there's at least three, if not four, world-class talent available Mm. in each of those positions. I don't think, I mean, besides Harry Kane, I guess, I don't think anybody's position in that team is safe. And um, for you, from your side, any standout teams? I'm sorry, I'm also very <laughs> impressed by the English yeah. squad. Um, they already secured a spot in Euro 2024 after beating England. Mm, with two the, games remaining, right? Yeah. They secured their qualification during the last qualifying round. I'm, I'm not surprised by that because, there are, like Yang Guang said, there are just so many players to choose from in English football these mm, days. Mm. And I'd, I'd rather say I'm impressed by football in England in general rather than um, their performance on the international field. I think the development or the involvement of football in England is manifesting through the qualifiers and other international competitions as well. Um, and when you guys were talking about how the players in on the uh, England squad are all friends, I was also thinking that um, another reason is so many in- English players are becoming leaders in other elite football clubs, like Harry Kane, who's enjoying... <laughs> another Bayern fan. <laughs> and Bellingham. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Bellingham, I, was, I mean, we'll, we'll get to Bellingham soon. Yeah, but. yeah I, I almost jumped in and mentioned him. Like, <laughs> but Harry Kane is enjoying a very productive season in his first season in the Bundesliga. Mm. And also there's Jude Bellingham taking on a leader's role in Real, at Real Madrid. So um, At the ripe old age of 20. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Mm. Yeah, it makes us feel so old. Yeah. <laughs> but even if you don't look at England squad for the Euro qualifiers, I think anyone who watches European club football will surely notice the presence of these English players. And uh, Manchester City certainly have a lot of national level players. Yeah. Even if all, not all of them have earned the call up, definitely. 
many of them have the quality to play for the national mm. competition. The city thing is interesting because I think there's a global perception that city is just loaded with foreign talent and that they just bought, you know, the best foreign talent mm. across multiple positions. But I also think a lot of their top performing players are key members of that England squad and some, like you said, that are battling for places in the squad, like Calvin Phillips hasn't really gotten into the into the City lineup, but he's still battling for a place in England. So I think for some reason City get a lot of um, uh, negativity for, for the amount of foreign players that they have, but they really mm. do have some outstanding English talents as well. I think of the likes of Grealish, Carl Walker. Mm. Um, so yeah, Stones. hats off to them. Yeah, John Stones, mm. who's also been... Yeah, who's and John Stones is also a player that's been revolutionized under Pep Guardiola, where mm -hmm. he's kind of shifted from just being your standard center back, and now he can actually perform as one of the best central defensive midfielders, um, not just in England but in the world. So mm. it's interesting to see how maybe Pep Guardiola's influence has also maybe benefited yes. some of uh, England's players. Yes, yeah. Pep Guardiola does have that effect on some players, like uh, when he was at Bayern Munich, mm. of course. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, like he, I wouldn't say transformed, but he helped Yozua Kimmich grow. Yeah, from yeah. right back to like kind of central defensive midfielder. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So he took on like a more ball-playing role as opposed to just being an out-and-out -out defender, similar to what we've seen with the... Uh, with John Stones, which is why John John Stones was signed for City initially, was not just because of his defending ability, but his on-the-ball abilities as well. And also, uh, earlier you said the situation at City changed. I think it's because of Pep Guardiola's influence. He seems obsessed with getting the best player, or even if uh, not the best player, he's determined to get anyone any player that he wants and yeah. he will not stop until he closes the deal <laughs> yeah yeah so he seems I to think... succeed though and it also i think what helps him as well is that every player wants to play for him too <laughs> yeah uh of course it's part of his personality and also the success of manchester city as a club in um not only in the premier league but also in europe as yeah well. yeah um, Yang Kuang, we've also seen, I mean, we've already touched, uh, touched on one or two players. We've talked about Harry Kane, we've talked about Jude Bellingham, but, um, there have been huge amounts of standout players, um, at this, uh, Euro 2024 qualifying stages. I mean, just off the top of my head, I think of Scott McTominay for, for Scotland. Mm. He's been absolutely incredible. And his form with Scotland has also seen him get more game time for Manchester United. Look, United do have a lot of injury problems, but I think... A lot of his inclusion in the squad now has to do with his incredible performances for Scotland, not just um, in terms of his position, but also the goals that he's been scoring. He's been f fantastic for Scotland and has helped them qualify uh, for Euro 2024, which I don't think many people were expecting off Scotland. But besides McTominay, have there been any other standouts for you? Um, I think Rasmus Hoyland um, plays much better football with Denmark yes with he does because he's been pretty <laughs> I mean look it's unfair to single him out for United I mean they've all been pretty shocking this season but yeah he, he definitely plays better for Denmark mm -hmm. seven goals and one assist in eight games he's a, a real threat yeah I think when and young he, too only uh, what 20 yeah yeah I think when he wears the national team jersey, people would start to forget his awful performances in, in the in, uh, Premier League. That's not just down to him. Come on, man. Like He's been getting no service whatsoever, and it's his first season at United, and it's his first season in England. So, look, I think there's still a lot of development to come from him, as we've seen with the national team in Denmark, mm -hmm. how talented yeah. he can be. Mm. To be honest, I think Hoyland deserves more help and yes. support from United teammates in attack. He's not Harry Kane. 
He needs feeds、yes. and spaces. Perhaps the pace of Premier League football is still something Hoyland hasn't been adapted to, but、uh, I think he has shown potentials through his national team games. At the end of the first stage qualification,、uh, I mean Euro 2024 qualification, Hoyland was named in the best eleven squad by playing rating websites. Who scored the com? And he's the only one that was rated above nine points、wow. in, in a squad that in, also included Mbappe, Ronaldo, Saka. I think he deserves this.、Um, it's it's a pity he's not able to play the rest of the qualifiers due to、um, injury、mm. because Denmark、mm. hasn't secured progression yet, and uh, um, it was being chased by Kazakhstan on table. Yeah, it's a huge blow for Denmark and for Manchester United.、Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the injury list at United is just seemingly endless at this point in time. But yeah, I think he is. Look, he's young. He's immensely talented, and I think with Denmark and with United, he is、uh, suffering from a lack of supply. And like you said, he isn't a Harry Kane yet in the sense that he can kind of create his own chances. He needs good players around him. So when he does return from injury, it will be interesting to see what kind of impact he can have for Denmark if they do qualify for the Euros, and、um, you know what impact he can have on saving the sinking Manchester United、mm-hmm. ship. So his progression will be very interesting to watch indeed, but yeah, McTominay,、uh, Rasmus Hoyland, I think even Christian Eriksen's been pretty good for Denmark、mm. um, in the qualifiers,、um, you know, and I think he's been a huge part of、uh, Denmark's success at this point in time. And yeah, I mean, we've already、um, for you, we've already touched on Jude Bellingham, and I mean, look, he he has been performing. Very well for England, but just in particular, man, his performances for Real Madrid this season—he's their top scorer in the league. He's their top scorer in the Champions League.、Um, he scored the equaliser and the winner in their most recent Clasico clash against Barcelona. He's 20 years old. He's not even a striker. He's a defensive、mm-hmm. midfielder. He's 20 years old. It's his first season in the Spanish league, playing for the biggest club in the world. If he can even recreate. Half of the level that he's performing right now for England next year at Euro 2024, I think that gives them a huge boost in their attempts to win that title. Because I think he, besides you know some of the world's greatest strikers, I think he's probably the most impactful player in world football right now. I would actually hang my neck out there and and, and go as far to say that. So, if he can maintain these levels,、um, England have a huge chance of of. Really performing well at Euro 2024, and yeah, we'll see if、uh, Denmark manages to qualify. And、um, yeah, it'll we can also, it'll be interesting to see if、uh, McTominay can also <laughs> maintain this、uh, goal scoring record for Scotland if they、um, you know progress at Euro 2024 next season. For you, any surprising teams or any disappointing teams、um, at this stage of the qualifiers? Yeah, Italy is the most. Disappointing team for me at this point. The defending champions are still working for survival. Yeah,、um, like we've said, they lost both of their games against England, and、uh, they never. I don't think they ever recovered from missing the World Cup for two times in a、mm, row.、Mm. And and sometimes some people say this. There is a starless squad for Italy. In the Euro qualifiers, do you think they've struggled to bounce back from the loss of some of their aging stars? I think of the likes of Bonucci, Pirlo.、Um, do you think that's been the issue that they, yeah, Chiellini? Do you think that they've not done enough to replace those stars that have been real rocks of Italy's success over the last decade or so? I think they're making some effort because the if you look at the current squad, the impression is that their defenders are. 
stronger than players in the upper field. Mm. And but um, traditionally, Italy has always been a defensively sound squad. They normally build on their success from the defense. Yes, and yeah. the the reason why I think. They haven't been able to achieve that. I mean, to completely achieve their past glory or restore their dominance since the age of uh, like Benucci and Chiellini is because the uh, match fixing scandal that's hit <laughs> right. the national team. Yeah. yeah, they've got some betting scandals too, they've unfortunately. The team a lot. Yeah, yeah but I mean, but even some a... of their some of their star players. I mean, like Sandro Tonali and a couple uh, mm. the, the the other guy at Juventus. I can't think of his name now. Uh, but there's there's been a lot of um, scandals around um, Italian clubs and Italian players, yeah, which I think has distracted it's distracted their efforts, I guess, mm. for Euro 2024 qualification. Yes, it's a lingering problem. They've always not always, but from from now and then they struggle with that problem. And uh, although we can say Italy in today's uh, Italy are in today's position because of the scandals, but I think going forward. They'll have to address that issue. Yeah. Uh, if not at this tournament, but if they leave leave that, it'll affect their future. And I think it's something that's changed the nature of football in this country. So I think going forward, um, if they want to bounce back in the next, the next major competition. Yeah. Um, so do you think yeah, it's too soon for them to bounce back now in terms of Euro twenty twenty four? Do you think that they won't necessarily be successful there? No, but yeah. I, although I really like traditionally, I really like the Italian team. Mm, I, mm. I don't think they will perform too well this time. Yeah, but that being said, I think they're also a team that has a history of surprising as well. I think in a lot of tournaments they've gone in as underdogs and they've really um, overachieved. You know, in complete opposite of the likes of England, where they often go in as favourites and, and disappoint. So it'll be interesting Italy to see. Italy as the underdogs, I'm not used to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, they've never... I, I can't really ever think of a tournament, maybe besides when they actually won the World Cup at that previous World Cup, where they were considered like out-and-out favourites. You know, they're always like kind of in the mix, but I never think of Italy as being the, the standout favourites for any mm. competition. So... I guess that kind of benefits them too, that there's not that much pressure on them. But of course, now there is pressure on them because of the defending champions uh, uh, title. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I agree with you. They have been a little bit disappointing. And I guess a lot of that has to do with off the field issues and also just, you know, some of the aging stars having found their way um, out of the team at this point. And also the the coach, I think yeah. uh, Luciano Spalletti doesn't seem like he has a lot of experience with the national team. Mm. So, I mean, he's got a lot of experience in Serie A, but yeah, like you said, not necessarily with the with a, the national yeah, team. Yeah, he's a better manager at the club level. Mm, mm. Mm. Yang Guang, any surprises? Uh, well, there have always been surprising packages um, at the qualification stage, and uh, this time I think Slovenia has made the splash. Um, they are in high hopes of reaching the European Championship final stage. For the first time in 23 years, mm. um, Benjamin Sesko is the pillar of this Slovenian team. He's deemed as the one of the most exciting prospects in Europe. Is he that striker? Is he? Yeah, he's, he's a striker. He's a striker in the Bundesliga, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. RB Leipzig. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And uh, I think he's the next the big thing we can keep an eye on. And the most exp uh, disappointing team to me is um, Croatia. Mm, um, I mm. think their golden generation is on a decline. Um, Similar issue with Italy, right? Mm, yeah. They were topping the group at one stage, but soon a series of underwhelming performances made them slip on the table. Uh, one new home loss to Turkey, um, a 2-1 loss to Wales, 
I think fans have to admit now that Croatia is aging faster、uh, than people think. Even、mm. though they can eventually, I mean, even if they could eventually make it to to the final stage of Euro 2024, I don't think they can trigger something big at the tournament. Yeah, it could be the last dance for、uh, Luka Modric. It'll be、yeah. interesting to see if he can pull together another insane performance、mm. like he did at the World Cup in 2018. And、uh, finally, I I have to mention Germany as well.、Uh, even though they don't play the qualifiers as the host country, their recent performances in friendlies are awful,、yeah. um, nightmare. Their record after the FIFA World Cup is three wins, one draw, and four losses, including not good a, enough. Not yeah, good enough. Including a four-one defeat to Japan. I remember that、two. game. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was kind of like a breakthrough game. I mean, that really made football fans stand up and notice、um, mm. Asian football. Yeah. Yes. And a two-nil defeat to Colombia. Their world ranking has dropped to sixteenth.、Um, come on, this is the three-time European champion、Crazy. we are talking about. And next year, they will host the tournament at their doorstep. They need to wake up. Before、um, it officially kicks off, otherwise、yeah. I don't know if they can survive the group stage. I'd have to agree with you.、Um, and with that in mind,、um, for you, you know, we've talked about some of these massive teams that have really been underwhelming, the likes of Italy and、uh, Germany. You know, teams that we traditionally believe are the favourites, not just for European top level competitions, but even for World Cups. With with that in mind, are there any favourites right now? From your side, that do you think can go on and win this competition next year? I definitely have my favorites, but I wouldn't say they are the overall necessarily, favorites. Yeah, yeah, the favorites of the tournament. And I'm I'm not even making predictions here. I'm just speaking out of my preference. <laughs> I really hope that、um, England or Portugal will win、okay. the tournament.、Mm, England,、yeah. because like、uh, the reasons that we've said before, I really hope that their investment and efforts over the past decade will pay off. And it is a very inspiring team, an inspiring squad. All the young players, and、um, I think winning this tournament will really help them gain that confidence and、uh, having that experience of major international competition will also help them grow. And for Portugal, obviously, I hope、uh, Ronaldo will again <laughs> win something before he,、uh, yeah, I'm hoping hands up his boots. I'm actually not placing too much emphasis on Portugal winning the Euros. I'm just hoping that somehow Ronaldo hangs on and makes it for one more World Cup, and somehow <laughs> Portugal lift the trophy with him. I would love to see that and reignite the the goat debate amongst <laughs> Messi and. Ronaldo. I mean, it's highly unlikely, but、uh, yeah, we. I always wish Cristiano Ronaldo the best. I'm a, a you know, a very outspoken Cristiano Ronaldo fan. But yeah, I think、um, you know, England and Portugal. Those are pretty good, pretty good assumptions. Yang Guang, from your side, who do you think can go on and take it all the way?、Um, yeah, I agree with、um, Fuyu. England should be the number one favorite. Yeah, their determination to reclaim what they lost two years earlier is huge, and everyone is in shape. Their biggest rival should be France.、Yes. Um, France also is、um, stacked with talent, yeah, yeah. and also motivated after their dramatic World Cup final loss. One of the best、Argentina. games. One of the best games of football I've yeah, ever yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah. And then and they look powerful as usual. I'd love to see a European Championship final between England and France. It would be a classic game. Yeah. yeah. Portugal looks. Great on paper, yeah.、Uh, lots, of, lots of depth too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And、uh, they are the only team keeping a perfect record so far in the qualifiers. 
with the most goals scored and the fewest concedes. Um, but first of all, it's um, a rather easy group. Slovakia, Iceland are not threats. Yeah, and enough. second, Portugal's locker room issue might be a problem at big tournaments. We saw some inharmonious voices inside the team in Qatar. Yeah, yeah. And also, would Cristiano Ronaldo still be in the starting eleven? Um, how are they going to play Bruno Fernandes, Rual Felix together? I personally am not quite optimistic about their chances in Euro 2024. Yeah, there's quite a lot of questions to be asked in that Portugal squad. And for me, I think England also have to be the favourites. The only question I have about England is their goalkeeping department. I've never been a huge fan of um, Jordan Pickford. Of Jordan Pickford, yeah. There, there seems to be a lot of um, uncertainty mm-hmm. around him and his position as the number one. And there's, you know, Ramsdale. There's a couple of other guys pushing him for a spot. So I think that's their only kind of question mark. But other than that, I think for me, England are the out and out favorites. And we will have to wait and see what happens next year at Euro 2024. But that is all we have time for on this week's episode of Sideline Story. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course, we will be back next week with our latest topic. And we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.